0: We can meet together tonight and uh, we're going to continue in our study of the tulip. And tonight is You is for Unconditional Election. Or I've put this title to it too, God's Involvement to Save His People Described. All that have ever been saved by the grace of God have been given some knowledge of the total depravity of man as God has described it as the Almighty God has placed it in the Word of God Abel understood this great problem of his he was a very it was a very short time from the fall of his father it wasn't Adams words that caused him to see the great problem that they were in it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost in salvation Abel declared to everybody on the earth at that time that his sin was of such great magnitude and had affected every system created by God, including him, that the only hope he had was in a substitute. He offered a sacrifice. He offered a lamb. This was a picture of his Savior. He knew more than to trust the Lamb for his salvation. He knew about salvation in Christ. As he is an example of people being saved, we can go to the scriptures and we find that wherever we go, Old Testament, New Testament, people were saved by the grace of God. There was not one person saved by keeping the law. There was not one person that was good and could just go into heaven on their own righteousness. The gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us. And many there in Israel, it wasn't effectual, faith was not given to them, and so they all died in unbelief. Abel would be able to agree with the words that we're going to read tonight. And several of them are contained in the Psalms when it comes to salvation, when it comes to where salvation comes from. And so I would encourage you, I'd ask you tonight to turn with me to the Psalm, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, and there in verse 39, Psalm 37 and verse 39. The scripture says, but the salvation of the righteous. Now We're unrighteous by nature. We're only made righteous by the new birth. We're only made righteous in the righteousness of Christ. So the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. The only way that anybody could ever pass from death into life, from uh, darkness to light, and all of the other descriptions that God gives us through the Spirit of God, and was written down by his secretaries in the 66 books was for this very thing the salvation of the righteous is of the lord he is their strength in the time of trouble backing up just a little bit here in the psalms psalm 3 psalm 3 and there in verse 8 <clears throat> Once again, the psalmist says, salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. It is his, he owns it, he gives it, he gives it by grace, he gives it not out of merit. Salvation is given by God to everyone that he has chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Their names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. God has loved them with an everlasting love from the foundation of the world. And Jesus Christ in time came and laid down his life, a ransom for many, for everyone that were chosen in him before the world began." All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. In Psalm 68, would you turn there? Psalm 68, we find again as the psalmist, and these were put into, uh, uh, to be chanted or to be sung, and what a wonderful message is contained in these psalms. Psalm 68, and there in verse 20, we read, He that is our God is the God of salvation, and unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. He that is our God is the God of salvation, and unto God the Lord belongeth the issues from death. So once again, we have here the psalmist writing this uh, Uh, put in uh, the language to be sung in its original form, to be chanted in its original form. He that is our God is the God of salvation. Can you just hear those words put to a tune? Jeremiah chapter 3, Jeremiah chapter 3. Would you turn there with me? As we look at this subject of unconditional election, And we back up to the point of where this came from. Who are we going to uh, thank for all of these blessings that we have with salvation? We cannot thank ourselves. We cannot thank our parents. Adam was unable to deal with it. No one was able to deal with it. That is in human flesh. The only one is the Lord Jesus And he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, yet without sin. Here in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 23, Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord God, our God, is the salvation of Israel. He's just saying in figurative language, there is no hope in anything else. It's not because we're on the high ground. It's not because uh, we have a multitude of people that uh, believe something different and we're going to change God's mind. But salvation truly in the Lord our God is salvation. Jonah, after he had been swallowed by that great fish and taken down To the very depths, confesses there those wonderful words that sum up most of the Bible. Salvation is of the Lord. Let me back up on that statement. Sums up all the Bible. Salvation is of the Lord. And in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, we read these words. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, these wonderful words about. "...the Lord Jesus, and that there is no salvation in any other, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved." These words, from the very beginning to the end, salvation is of the Lord. He must, as we must, ask the question, when did God become the salvation of his people?" After the fall, before the fall, we will look into the scriptures and we find that God was interested in the salvation of his people before the world began and he took all the steps that were necessary to save his people from their sins. For centuries, this wonderful teaching has been summed up in these few words, unconditional election. Election is not based on Any foreseen faith. If you've talked to many people, no doubt you have had them say to you that they believe in election, but election to them is that God saw who was going to believe and God saw who was going to trust Him, and therefore He chose them on that. And we find that that there's no way that that was going to be happening, because God's not going to change his mind about anything, and nobody is going to do anything that merits God's attention. God did not choose, election is not based on foreseen faith, but if we really think about it, it is based on foreseen unbelief. God knew that we would be unbelievers left to ourselves, that We would uh, go astray, that there would be nothing in us that would turn in his direction. We don't have a spiritual mind, for it is dead. We don't have spiritual thoughts, for they've been taken away from us. We don't have spiritual light, for we are in darkness. All of these things by nature. God, on his own purpose, has from eternity determined to save a definite number of mankind. As individuals not for or because of any merit or work of theirs, nor of any value to him in them, but of his own good pleasure. Election is that eternal act of God by which is his sovereign pleasure, and on account of no foreseen merit in them, he chooses certain ones, out of the number of sinful men to be the recipients of the special grace of his spirit and to be made voluntary partakers of Christ's salvation. Ephesians shares much about election, as do many other places in the scriptures, but would you turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This wonderful book of Ephesians I keep repeating that. Wonderful book here. Wonderful verses there. They are such a delight. And I remember when uh, I was in religion, the Bible was historic, historical, and there wasn't much spiritual there, and you could hardly find anything. And once the Lord saved me by his infinite, marvelous grace, the Bible became a new book. It was the book of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is is the issue. And everything here redounds to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and he receives ultimate glory in the work of God before the foundation of the world in that he chose a people. Ephesians chapter 1 and there in verse 4 According as he hath chosen us In Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. It appears, as we look into the Scriptures, as the Lord Jesus Christ brought up this subject of His sovereignty and of His election, especially to the Jews when He talked about Gentiles being saved or God dealing with the Gentiles. It makes people so upset that God is in charge of all of salvation that they have no part in it. We are not the participants, but we are the glorious recipients of his grace and This is brought out in the scriptures he He elected a people before the foundation of the world, he chose them in Christ. Jesus said this about it. He said, all that the father hath given me. We read about the names being written down in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world that they were uh, the names of his people were uh, put on the palms of his hand, graven on the palms of his hand. Uh, Everything that we read concerning the truths of the gospel are contained in these thoughts that God was interested in saving a people before he ever created adam and before he ever allowed the fall this took place god was interested in saving a definite number of people in second thessalonians second thessalonians chapter 2 second thessalonians chapter 2 we read here in verse 13 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you brethren beloved of the lord because god hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth i'll never forget a friend of mine reading this passage of scripture the book of ephesians or excuse me the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 And then later, by his pastor being accused, he just can't, you just got to read the E-word. You got to read the P-word, predestination. You got to read the E-word, election. Well, once the Lord has revealed these great truths unto his people, and they realize that it's by the grace of God and the grace of God alone that they're saved, and that they're such a sinful sort, that they are sinful in body, mind, and spirit, that they have Sin to the very depths of their soul, and their heart is deceitful above all things. When God reveals to them that he was interested in their salvation before the foundation of the world, then there's not a problem with it. We relish delight and glory in that very thing. All that the Father giveth me is found in the book of of John chapter 37. John chapter 37, let's read those words from the mouth of our Savior, John chapter 6 and verse 37, he says these words about the folks that he's going to die for. John chapter 6 verse 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I remember going into a Bible bookstore one time and this verse is on a plaque, or I should say half of this verse is on a plaque, it said, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. What a travesty to quote the last half of a verse of scripture just so it will agree with your theology when the scripture says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh, I will in no wise cast out. Many people go right to Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, and 10, or 2, 8, and 9, or 2, 8, You know, they're very careful about this. But they'll go to chapter 2 and read those verses and say they believe that, but they will entirely skip the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And if you skip the first chapter, you have no right whatsoever to claim what is in chapter 2. If you skip God's action God's desire, God's purpose, God's deliverance, God's choosing, God's election before the foundation of the world. And it's unconditional. It is not based upon anything that we do, any merit that we have, any good thing that we might have done. Uh, that In our mind, that is not based on that. It is only based upon his free grace and sovereignty. So we read in Acts chapter 13 and verse 48, the Gentiles Acts chapter thirteen once again, one of those verses that we just love to read because it is so glorious that these people that were Paul was preaching to. Now when the uh Paul and his company I'm in the wrong verse, chapter thirteen and verse forty eight Alright, here we go. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. I had a person one time when I read that passage of scripture said, well that passage of scripture should be turned out the uh, around the other way. This is the correct way it should read, is what we find here in Acts chapter 13 and verse 48. Where We don't believe, and then we're ordained to eternal life, but we're ordained to eternal life, and then we believe. How can someone that is dead, graveyard dead, believe anything? They can't. We must be made alive. We must be born again. We must be quickened. We must be raised from the spiritual dead before we will ever believe God. And He's the one that creates that life. He's the one that raises us. And then we believe, and we don't have any trouble with the Word of God. A person that says, well, I just don't believe that, I understand, because you're an unbeliever. And you believe not, because you're not of my sheep. Now, we can be in that boat, uh, be lost sheep. We can be uh, sheep before God gives us uh, the call, and all that. And we say some foolish things, But after God saves us, we will quit saying, I don't believe it. We will say, I don't understand it. I don't comprehend it. But never will one of God's people ever say about a passage of scripture in the word of God, I don't believe it. If you believe that in your heart and you leave this world without it, you are, as Jesus said concerning, you believe not because you are not of my sheep. The reason, and I'm going to state this, the reason that we have elections so often mentioned in the scriptures is brought out in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Would you turn there with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And there in verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren. When I was growing up, we had a neighbor by the name of Mr. King. And Mr. King had a grandson named Bobby, Bobby King. And we were good friends. We lived out in the country together. We did a lot of things together. And Mr. King could whistle, and you could hear that whistle a mile away. And as soon as Mr. King whistled, it meant for Bobby... To head for home. Now our mother did it the same way, only she just hollered, Norm, and I knew to come. It was a direct invitation, but God... But you see, you're calling, brethren, you're calling, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea. And things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Now here is the real reason we find that God reveals election to us. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Hear that again. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Those who do not believe in unconditional election have great hope in their flesh that they've done the right thing, they've worked hard enough. And if you've ever been in religion, you know what I'm talking about. But when you hear the gospel and God saves you by His grace, we realize it was nothing and we do not want a glory in our flesh or in our self but we want to glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of His people. He's the keeper of His people. He's the Redeemer of His people. So, this passage tells us why. That no flesh should glory in His presence. Why hath God chosen? God is the first cause of all things. No one would ever be saved without it. No one will glory in their own righteousness. Over in the Old Testament is a passage of scripture that Jesus brings up in the New. But I'd like to go to the Old Testament first. If you'd turn with me to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17. And I'd like to read verses 8 and 9. 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 8 and 9. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee up to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks and call he called to her and said fetch me I pray thee a little water in a vessel that I may drink and you can read the rest of the story but let's go over to the book of Luke for just a moment the book of Luke in the book of Luke chapter 4 book of Luke chapter 4 verse 25 But I tell you of a truth. Jesus is teaching here. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent save unto Sarepta a city of Sidon unto a woman that was a widow. Now these folks knew what was in the Old Testament and this record of this prophet going to this specific widow as he was directed by Almighty God. And they they want to put that aside, just like people don't want to deal with election today. They want to deal with free will. They want to have election as it's up to me They want sovereignty if we allow God to be sovereign. And on and on the words go. We do not by nature want to let God do what he said he would do. And that is save his people from their sins. Now when Jesus quoted this Old Testament passage that was in their Bible. It says. And all they in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath why because they were used to glory in their flesh and when jesus taught them about the wonderful doctrine of election that all of these others were passed by and this one a gentile widow was chosen by the lord to receive the blessing from this prophet they were upset It happens today. People will bite their lip, their fingers, and joints will turn white, and they'll just have absolutely nothing to do with the truth of the gospel. And so, once again, over here in the book of Romans, would you turn with me to the book of Romans? The book of Romans, chapter 8. Just a couple of more verses here as we look at this wonderful subject of unconditional election Romans chapter 8 and there in verse 28 Romans chapter 8 verse 28 And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them who are the called according to the, his purpose for whom he did foreknow glorious election by God. It is the result of this that he has his rich blessings to pour out upon us. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. I understand now why people don't understand the teachings that are contained in the Bible. If they're unregenerate, If they're not born again, they've never been saved, they will chafe on these subjects that are contained in the scriptures. They will fight against God having all the glory and salvation from beginning to end. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Now over in the next chapter, the book of Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9. For the children, verse 11. Romans chapter 9, verse 11. For the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, That's what he said about Jacob and Esau, that the purpose of God, according to election, it wasn't based on merit. It isn't based on merit, and it will never be based on merit. It is based on God's great grace and sovereignty. On his purpose, he saves people on purpose. Well, thank you and may God bless you through the remainder of this week.